So um, this morning, I've got the privilege um, to share out of the Word of God with you guys. Um, I was uh, supposed to be here last week, and then um, I got this incredible flu bug that's been going around in Malkbos. Um Who's that proper flu? And men, proper flu. Not. <laughs> My wife looked at me, she's like, now you've had proper flu, you know? Not just the common cold. Um, because I've had the common cold. I thought it was flu. I genuinely thought, like, common flu is like, but I was man down. I think I slept for three days. But um, I think in those three days, the Bible speaks about angels ministering to you. And all I can remember was vaguely just hearing the Lord's voice. And uh, that was Leanne. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, so this is my beautiful wife, Leanne. And, um, yeah, it's just a privilege being with you guys this morning and just sharing something of what I believe God's busy doing within us at the moment. Um, I've been hearing the tricklings. Have you guys been hearing it? Where's Kaylin? You heard wind, hey? She's been hearing wind. And, uh, yo, God's rear. Um, there's been tricklings of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And as I was preparing, I realized these tricklings are starting to become form into like a little steady flow. But I'm trusting that as this flow is happening, and you see the little little ravine, the little water stream going down, and that turns into this river, but the raging river of what God wants to do. And Hannah spoke about the river this morning, about the river of God. And I really do believe that as we, as we give ourselves to him, and as we say, Lord, I'm ready, I want to jump into the river. I want to dive in. Because you know that you can stand on the riverbanks and just... Check it out. You know that? Like we can stand on the river. Who stand next to who, who stood who has stood next to a river in the and just watched it? Just watched it going. I, I was up in Paris a couple of years back. So and in Paris there's this big river. I don't even know what it's called. Who knows? It is probably the Fall River, eh? Pretty big river in South Africa. So yeah. Fall River. And and it was actually in flood. And I back then I used to do K one canoeing. For those of you that know, you get into a little boat, you put it on, uh, and you, you paddle. Alex will say, you used to do that quite a bit. And I was all gung-ho, one December, going up from, and I was going, I'm going to, to, to row on that river. I looked at that river, and so I was like, I'm not getting onto that river. <laughs> that thing was going at a pace that I could not even imagine. And, um, and there was no one else around. I think I would have drowned if I had to climb into that river. But... Um, but there's something about jumping in the river, the river of God. Because the river of God, there's life. And there's a trickling within us at the moment in this congregation, but it's starting to gain momentum. Who can sense that? Can you sense that? There's a momentum starting to happening. And you know why? Because the Holy Spirit wants to empower us. And I believe today, as I'm going to share just about around the Holy Spirit I want to touch on three aspects of the Holy Spirit. And during all three of those aspects, I want to ask you, can you come on the journey with me? Can you jump in the river? But let it take you. Many of us have got preconceived ideas, even from past experiences and past church goings, if that's the right word, of what the Holy Spirit is. But I want to this morning look at the Bible. Just purely look at the word of God. Not try and interpret anything, not anything, but God, what does your word say about the Bible? And the Bible is very clear about the Holy Spirit and, and how the Holy Spirit works in the world, 
and even now this morning, how he works within us and how he gets poured out over us. And those are the three aspects I want to look at this morning about the Holy Spirit being around us, next to us, alongside us, the Bible speaks about. And, then, and it's for all of us, saved or unsaved. The Holy Spirit is right now. Do you know the Holy Spirit is working at this moment in Istanbul? In America, around the world, the Bible says, at this present time. Have you heard the word omnipresent? The Holy Spirit is everywhere. And he's busy working on the world today, the Bible teaches us. And we'll look at this now. But then there's for us as Christians. No, the Holy Spirit lives within us. Corinthians says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at that and see what that is. And then there's a third aspect of the Holy Spirit, which I'm even trusting while I'm talking, it might happen. And if it does, let the river go. Let the river take us. Don't try and, with our minds, work things out. But go, Lord, what are you doing today? And if it, if it goes, it talks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Before we do that, let's pray. Holy Spirit, just the sense that you're already here. You're already on so many of us, God. You're already stirring our hearts, God. Stirring our souls, Lord Jesus. You talk about stirring up, God, the gifts within us, Lord. And, and in a sense, I can ex- see, Lord, what you're busy doing. And Holy Spirit, I pray that as I share, that it will be the words of God that just comes and ministers to us this morning, Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way this morning as we jump into the river and learn more about you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So to start and to look at the Holy Spirit, we need to realize that he's part of the Trinity. Who's heard the word Trinity? Okay, what does that mean? Oh my goodness. If you want to know about the Trinity, ask Andrew. He's got a really good sermon about the Trinity. But very in a nutshell, the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So for many of us, we understand, we can relate to God the Father. We, we get that picture of God being a father, of creating the universe and creating everything and being a dad to us. And f- maybe for you, your dad wasn't that kind of, so you go, what does the father mean? And there's a whole teaching that can go around that. And then there's God the Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us, came down on earth to earth. But then there's also the Holy Spirit. You know that they, the Holy Spirit was there from the beginning? All three of them together. And it's, to explain the Trinity, it's, it's um, three, but one. One, but three personalities. Different people in one. Our earthly minds, we cannot comprehend it. Who has tried to figure that out? And I know there's probably a lot of really better analogies than what I've had. But I've often gone like, okay, I'm just going to wait till that day. Then I can see it and I know it. Then I'm going, cool, God, I just believe you right now. And, uh, and it is. The Holy Spirit is, is God. Is God with us. And um, we, we read about in the beginning in Genesis 1, um, verse 1 to 2. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the... Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Isn't that amazing? How the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. 
before anything was formed. You know, it's a, almost like a picture of our lives. You know, that there's moments that we were, our lives was in darkness and formless, and we're just going about our lives. And that's what it speaks about even now. The Spirit of God is hovering over our lives. And not just our lives, the lives of unsaved and of every single person in the universe. And this brings us to the first sort of function, if I can put it that way, or how the Holy Spirit works, about being everywhere and around us and next to us. Before Jesus returns, you know Jesus is coming back? He is coming back. just want to say he's coming back, and I can't wait for that day. I'm like, Lord, come. There's a scripture, and I think I've been, been, been saying it more and more, where the bride and the groom says, come. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Jesus is coming back. But before he comes back, that the Spirit at the moment is around the world doing a certain work. And let's look at what that is. In John 16, verse 8. Quickly want to go there. It says, and when he comes... So, okay, let me just maybe backtrack quickly. So Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's saying about the Holy Spirit that is coming before he returns. You can keep that up, before he returns. And then Jesus says to his disciples, and says, when he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see, will see me, and the next one, concerning judgment because the ruler of the world is judged. Sorry, I left out a, a, a very important um, piece there. It speaks about where the Holy Spirit is on the earth right now. It's actually working on the hearts of everybody. And it says there three, three things that it does at the moment. It, 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 sin. And you know the Holy Spirit doesn't just come and conv- convict and say, you are sinful, you are bad, you are... No. That's, not, that's not conviction. What the Holy Spirit does is he's whispering to us, going, God loves you. God's got a plan for your life. You see that? Because we think that word convict is just like turn or burn. And for some it might be that. But for most it's, a, it's about loving, a loving spirit and loving God coming and saying, I'm convicting you because I want you to have eternal life and have fellowship with me all the time. That's what the Bible says the Holy Spirit's doing around the world today. Of righteousness, because where's Jesus right now? Jesus is sitting at the right hand of, the, of, of God, on the throne. You know what Jesus is doing? He's interceding for us, every single one of us. And what the Spirit is doing is, that the, is he's convicting us of that righteousness and going, come on, come on, God loves you. God loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And then it says of judgment, and which is this one I love, because it says it's because of judgment, because, because the, Jesus has already won the battle. The ruler of this world is judged. And you realize that, that devil out there at the moment? That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's saying he has been judged. And that's God the whole time, the Holy Spirit the whole time around us, going, I am working in every single person, saved and unsaved, to show them Jesus. Isn't that incredible? That's the first function of what the Holy Spirit is doing. You know, I realized, I I was a quick story, just um, how I've experienced this in my own life. 
Um, I used to, um, directly after school, I joined a church group out in Paroside, and uh, I became, I was a youth pastor for many years, about four or five years, <clears throat> and during that time, I saw stuff in the church that I didn't really like, or that I didn't really understand, or that I actually didn't see in the Bible. And I remember I actually got fired three times um, <laughs> from, from being a youth pastor. I didn't know it was you could get fired. I did not because I did anything wrong. Um, I saw things, and I sort of asked questions, and then I got fired. And I remember during that time, I was going, okay, that's interesting, but God, you God, I'm just going to keep on doing what you want me to do. And um, I remember at a point, it got, it got to a point where I said, like, Lord, I really love you. I love you with all my heart. I remember the day when I walked out and I actually resigned and I said, God, I love you, but your church, I actually want nothing to do with it. And that's one of the scariest things to say because the church is what? It's the bride. That's what Jesus died for. That's his most precious. And for six months, I basically, I became a broker for those six months. Or uh, as I left, I was like, what can I do? Oh, I can sell something. So let's sell insurance policies. That sounds pretty easy. That was before the law came in to insurance. Like nowadays, you've got to have course upon course upon course. That was just like any Tom, Dick, and Harry shoot at the hip, just go and sell something, you know. So I was very clever. I went to um, all the schools up in the Boerland area. So um, what is it? What do you call that? Stellenbosch, Franschhoek. Schools were amazing targets because the government would subsidize 50% of their, um, of their medical aid. So I was like, hey, it's like a no-brainer for you guys. Like, this is a much better medical aid. I won't tell you which one I sold. Um, but just everybody come over to this one. And there's this incredible new loyalty program. If you do this, you can go watch movies for free. I might have just given it away. Um, but, uh, you know. It was so easy. I was like, this is the easiest thing to do ever. Like, just sell stuff. And for six months, I sold medical aid policies to, to teachers. And it was incredible. And I did well. And um, I did actually so well that uh, at a point, I, I realized that, um, or, or the, the, the company I worked for said, like, listen, we're launching a, a life insurance policy now. But can you come and train brokers on how to sell this life insurance policy. We'll train you, and then you train us. I said, yeah, for sure, you know, that's not, that sounds pretty cool. So I then event, I started selling life insurance policies. But when you do this, you start going to all these functions and all these things. And coming out of the church, I just like, I was like, I've got nothing to do with the church anymore. So I just gave myself to this thing. And I sold policies upon policies upon policies Stopped surfing, moved to Durbanville because there was, there was head offices down that side. And I remember one evening, uh, one morning I woke up. And as I woke up, at this point, I honestly believe I, I, was, I was going to hell. Um, and I'll tell you now why. I remember I had a function in Constantia. And I woke up in Durbanville. And as I woke up, I was like, how did I get here? How did I get to my bed? And at that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me like I've never heard him in my life. At that moment, I heard an audible voice, like, like what you're hearing me now. This is my experience. This is what I heard. I heard God say to me, through his Holy Spirit, say, if you keep on 
this road, you will die. And it wasn't a death of like, I'm going to die in a motor car accident. Like, I, I think it could have been that as well. But it was, I realized at that moment that I would lose my salvation. I, and that's for me. I realized at that moment, I was like, oh my hat, God, I'm going to lose something of you. And what was that? That was the Holy Spirit talking to me. Because he knew how to talk to me and how to get my attention. You know that he knows how to get your attention. So your experience could be different. But for me, at that moment, I realized God is convicting me of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He's going, come on, change. I, at that, I literally, that day, I gave notice in Durban while I moved into Melkville Strand. About the, uh, not about, the next day I was surfing corner. Guess who kites passed me, Andrew and Monet, and say, hey, come to church. And I said, yes. And that was about 22 years ago now, 23 years ago that I've been here. But you see how the Holy Spirit knows every single one of us and what we need to do. And how he, he knows our lives. So the Holy Spirit is working on us. And around us, even now, whether you're saved or unsaved, then can I ask you, listen to the whisperings of the Holy Spirit this morning. Just listen. Listen to the whisperings. Because he wants you to know God more and more and more. Secondly, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. So, when we do come to this point of giving ourselves to the, to the Lord and we go, Lord, I recognize I need a Savior. I am lost. Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I need salvation, God, because my sin is leading like what happened to me. My sin will lead to more sin. Eventually, it leads to death. And not just death on this, in this world, but death eternally because there is an eternity that we are living for. And when we realize that, when we get to that moment, we go, God, I need you. Holy Spirit, I need you. And who's done, who if you've had that moment where you were either in a church meeting like this or at a school function or a school camp, that's where I gave my heart to the Lord the first time, was at a school camp, a CSV school camp, I think that's what it is. And, and it's at those moments, you know, where you realize, like, God, I'm a sinner. Like, you pay the ultimate price for me. You love me so much that you send your son after the Holy Spirit's been whispering in my ears, gave my heart to God. At that moment, my prayer was, Lord, I give you my heart. Come live in my life. Come live in me. Come live in me. Who moves in? Is it Jesus? Technically, yes. The Holy Spirit? Yes. God? Yes. But it's the Holy Spirit. That's who Jesus has sent. Because where's Jesus sitting? At the right hand, at the throne of God. And it's the Holy Spirit that moves in our lives at that point and says, you belong to me and I belong to you. We become one. And at that moment, your journey as a Christian starts. And this is where the indwelling of the Holy Spirit comes. And I want to quickly show us some, some scriptures around that just so that we, we know what that is. And um, I first want to go to John 14, verse 15 to 16. <coughs> Sorry. And this is Jesus again speaking, and he's speaking to his disciples. And he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. 
to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Isn't that amazing? He will dwell with you, so we know that he's with us and he's around us all the time, but he's also, he will be in us. And this was Jesus saying of something that will come. It hasn't, it didn't happen yet to the disciples there. So he's talking to Christians, saying, when you get to that point where you give yourself, where you totally surrender yourself, he will be within you. Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27, and I love this portion of scripture, because it's actually the Old Testament pulling something from the old into the new of what, what um, God was going to do, not just for Jerusalem back then, but even for us right now. And it says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove a heart of stone from you and, a fle- and, a ho- and from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues or in my ways and to be careful to obey everything I tell you. Isn't that incredible? And that's, that was the Old Testament of Jesus saying, the Holy Spirit is coming. The Helper is coming. Coming to help you live this Christian life. A new spirit. A new heart. Something new in us. Because why? Who's tried to do this thing on their own? Oh, my hat. It's hectic. <laughs> hey? It's like, it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible to live a Christian life according to the standard what the Bible has put out for us. You know, it's impossible. In our own strength, we can't. We cannot do it. But what did Jesus say? I will ask my Father, and he will send the the helper. Sorry, she needs to drink some water. Holy Spirit is water. He's a helper. You see, because we, we, we try. Who's tried? Have you tried? I've tried. I've had moments. It's like, cool, I'm going to do this thing. And I'm pretty hard. Oh, sorry. Um, I don't know if, for Afrikaans people, sorry. Um, maybe I must just also apologize. Sorry, I, I actually in worship, the Lord actually just spoke to me when I was doing the baby dedication. And I said like, oh, I used to be Afrikaans and then I got saved. If I did offend you, I'm really sorry. I'm still Afrikaans. Bar and base, you know, what can I say? So, <laughs> so that's how you say it. Bar and bars, or bar, you know. But if, I, if you're Afrikaans, I actually love Afrikaans people. And the only reason why I joke is because I used to be Afrikaans, and I, I really used to be. My wife is way more Afrikaans than me now. But if I did offend you, I'm sorry. Like, the, I just in worship, the Lord just spoke to me and said, like, if you cause one person to stumble, the Bible says, better for you to put a mill around your neck and be thrown into the water. And I never want to cause anyone to stumble. And a stupid comment like that could just cause someone to stumble. So I'm sorry. If, is that okay? Sorry. Heavenly language. Yeah. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit right there. Can I be honest? That's the Holy Spirit. That's him helping us in every situation. That's the indwelling. That's him taking us and going, no, no, I'll help you because I want you to become more like Jesus because we cannot do it on our own. 
We can, together even, even when we're together, we mess it up. If us elders get together and the Holy Spirit's not there, I can guarantee you, we will mess it up. Because we've all got our own ideas, our own opinions, our own stuff we're working through. But when the Holy Spirit is there, we all go, God, this is yours. Come build your church. Holy Spirit, come lead us. Even this morning, we were careful to follow the Holy Spirit. What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Because this is your people. In 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19, it says, and I'm not going to read before that. I'll still get to, the, to, to that. But it, it says that, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? And that's what becomes when we become a Christian. When you give your, your life, your body becomes a temple, an indwelling, a place where the Holy Spirit comes and lives. And what does the Holy Spirit do? Have you ever thought of that Like through this whole thing? Ephesians 1 verse 13 to verse 14. I'm going to quickly read this. At that moment when we give ourselves, the Bible says this. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth. Now, who when you gave your heart to God? Did you hear the word of truth? Isn't that what happened? You heard the word of truth. The Bible even says, how will people know if no one speaks to them the word of truth? When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. At that moment when the gospel came into our lives... And you believed in Jesus. Because you have to believe. You have to believe. Believe and be baptized, the Bible says. This is what happens. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of your inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Isn't that incredible? You were sealed. You know, you sealed today by the Holy Spirit. Have you ever sealed something? What does it look like to seal something? You preserve it. You put it in and you seal it up. Eh? Do you get that picture? You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. He's within you. And then that verse 14, who is the guarantee of your inheritance until we acquire possession of it. That's what the Holy Spirit helps us with. To acquire possession of our inheritance. To acquire possession of our inheritance. Now, inheritance isn't just the financial thing that we get when your mom or dad dies or your grandfather or some aunt that you never knew about because you got an email from Angola saying that you've got an aunt. (laughs) That's not the inheritance I'm talking about. Okay. What is that inheritance? Have you ever thought of that? What is that inheritance? That inheritance is us becoming like Jesus. That's what it is. We need to take possession of that. And what is it? We are sealed by the Holy Spirit who then starts helping us to become more like him. The indwelling, he's within us, helping us. You know what Jesus' favorite word for the Holy Spirit was? I will send, ask my Father to send you the helper. That was, if you read the Gospels, every single time Jesus mentions or talks about the Holy Spirit, he says, the helper is coming. The helper. This is Jesus. Do you think he looked at us and, and, go, and went like, they're going to need help? <laughs> Pretty much, hey? Okay. The helper. The Holy Spirit seals that moment when we believe in, in God and we give ourselves to him. 
And in that moment when we respond, when the gospel has hit our hearts and we realize that we are sinners, the Holy Spirit seals that moment for us. And he moves in. He moves into our bodies. And that's when our journey starts. To become more like him. And this is how he also helps us. So John 14 verse 26. You quickly put that scripture up. I'm just going to run through a couple of scriptures and then I'm coming to another portion now. I won't be much longer. Again, Jesus talking. What did he say? But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Isn't that incredible? So I just want to put a disclaimer here. Okay. This is not the scripture that you pull out and that you use and go, I'm saved. I don't need anybody else. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to do this because I've got the Holy Spirit and he's going to teach me all things and I can do this thing all on my own. That's not what that scripture is saying. Okay. Can I just put that out there? Okay. But what it is saying is that the Holy Spirit will come and he will help us in every situation and bring to remembrance even the things that Jesus has taught us and that people have taught us and that we've heard in church. The apostles even spoke and they in Paul writes and he says like, the Holy Spirit has revealed to us the mystery of the gospel. It was not made known to generations before then, but it was made known to us in this moment that salvation is for the Gentiles too. Isn't that incredible? It's the Holy Spirit making things known. And we're not going to turn to that, but if you want to take, you take notes, John 16 verse 13, another portion where it says the Holy Spirit will help us, Ephesians 3 verse 4 to 6, and Luke 12 verse uh, 11 to 12. All scriptures where the Holy Spirit, where Jesus talks or the apostles talk about how the Holy Spirit helps us. And what does he teach us? You thought about that. What is he teaching us? I think one of the first things he comes, he says, he teaches us about baptism, reading our Bibles, confessing our sin, forgiving others, starting to hate sin because it's a war within us, and walking in, with fellowship. Of, and as I said those things, can you remember moments where you realized those, those things in your life? Where you realize, like, oh, I, I don't dig swearing anymore. Oh, I've always struggled with smoking, but I don't smoke anymore because something that, oh, I can't sleep with my girlfriend anymore. Who was that? Was it just your clever ideas? No, it's the Holy Spirit helping us, living within us and helping us. Are you guys okay if I go a couple of minutes longer? Hey? Is it all right? I'm just realizing I just want to honor the time, but can I put a bit of sugar on it? It's come. You need sugar. Ooh, Grant, watch out for sugar. Bro. Okay, so all those things Galatians talks about and talks about the fruit of the Spirit. That's what it is. It's the fruit of the Spirit. We, what did Jesus say? He said, you will know a tree by its fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. All those things, the Holy Spirit is constantly working in our lives. Galatians 5, 16, 17 says, to create fruit within us, for us to live. It actually, Galatians talks about in step with the Spirit, walking in step with Him, 
Have you ever walked in step with the Holy Spirit? Or have you ever walked in step with someone else's footsteps on the beach? I always go like, ooh, that person. You know, some guys walk like this. <laughs> some guys walk like this. So, but walking in step with the Spirit. Sometimes it depends. But that's what Galatians talks about. And as we walk in step with the Spirit, as we do what He wants us to do, our, the fruit of our lives become evident. What's your fruit like? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are fruit of the Spirit. And there's more. Those are just the ones the Bible mentioned. And this is not a once-off thing to be filled. Ephesians 5 Verse 18, it's, it, the word goes, it says, do not get drunk on wine. So it's very interesting that the Bible speaks about do not get drunk on wine for where we're heading. But what it does say about it, it says get filled, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that word be filled, it's a continuous tense. It's a continuous being filled. So it's not just a once-off moment, something that happens. It's actually a daily thing. It's a daily coming in front of God, coming in saying good morning to the Holy Spirit and saying, Holy Spirit, come fill me today. What do you want me to do today, Lord? Okay, I've got to go wash the dishes. I've got to go drop the kids at school. I've got to go to my work. I've got to, but what do you want me to do today? Come fill me today that I may stay in step with whatever you want me to do. Be filled. So, I want to end this portion of just being filled and what it means of the Spirit living within us as Christians before we come into the outpouring and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Ooh, that's the interesting one. That's the sugar one. So don't get preconceived ideas. really want to just quickly touch on that one. and We'll see what God wants to do. But I just want to, in 2 Corinthians 13, if you can jump to that one, 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14. How interesting is this? This is how Paul ends off the letter to to Corinth. And he says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Isn't that beautiful? When I read it, I was like, Paul, that's incredible. He knows that the grace of Jesus, that's why we're here, because of the grace. May it continue in our lives. The love of God, God loves us so much. That he's given himself, he's gave his only son for us, and may that love be in us, be with us all the time. But that, the, the third one, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what it is, fellowshipping, living with him, indwelling, doing everything with the Holy Spirit. Fellowshipping. You know that one of our devotions is fellowship, as Josh Jen, and not just Josh Jen, the Bible actually teaches us. Devote yourself to fellowship. And how's that? The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I, I was just, when I read it, I was like, God, that's the point, is to daily fellowship with the Holy Spirit. That's the point. Should I go there? The outpouring. Are you guys okay? I'm going to try and do it as quickly as I can. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Thirdly, the outpouring or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's the third sort of working that, he, that the Holy Spirit does. And um, we first 
You know that once you get saved, it's not about just getting saved and going to heaven. Do you understand that? If that was at that point, rather let someone shoot you in the head and go to Jesus. Just being honest. Because that would have been way easier than trying to work out this Christian life. Why do we get saved? Yes, it is to go to eternity. But you know that God's got a plan for your life? You know that he's got a purpose for your life? That he actually, before the foundations of the earth was laid, he was going, that person. I've got a purpose for them. I've got a plan for them. Because I want them to take part of what I'm building on this earth. And I want to do it in them and then through their lives. And this is where the outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes from. And this is why it is there. Let's read about this. So you quickly go and you, you, you look at Luke 24, verse 48. And this is, as the disciples were about, they were in Jerusalem, Jesus appears to them. Have you got it there? Luke. Oh, sorry. Oh, it is 49. You're right. Yeah. And Jesus says, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So Jesus was saying to his disciples, do not go out of Jerusalem because the promise of my Father is coming. And then in Acts 1, verse 45, the same thing. It says, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So these were disciples. These were the ones that Jesus pointed out saying, you are my apostles. You're going to be those that are going to take what I have lived for the last three years. You're going to take this into the world. But what did he say to him? Wait. Just wait. You know why? Because they needed power. We cannot do this. We cannot build God's church without him and without the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 verse 8. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's the, fun, that's the purpose of the baptism, the outpouring, the Holy Spirit coming upon us to receive power. What does power look like? What does power look like? Is there any electricians in the house? Okay, you don't need to be an electrician to put your finger in a plug. Okay, Mike Feet's probably the closest to electrician than we, that we've got right to, you know. Mike, if you put your finger into a plug, have you been shocked? You've been shocked, eh? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Who's been shocked by electricity? You <laughs> Yes, today, yolks are like on fire. Okay. Okay. What happened when you got shocked with electricity? Eh? That, was there a little bit of like a, let's use a bad word, manifestation? In your body. Hey? Did you shake? Okay. So I'm not trying to play this down or anything. But if there's power in your life, your body knows about it. Your body knows about it. And that's the same thing. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I'm not going to read the whole Acts 2 because I was going to go there. But what happened on that day when the Holy Spirit got poured out on everybody? The Bible says that it seemed like flames coming on them, pouring out of the Holy Spirit. People 
shook. They started speaking in different tongues. They started speaking in tongues that other people could understand. Going, what is that? That's my dialect from my country is way back there. How do you know that? By the Holy Spirit. There was power. So much that other people looking on said, these people are drunk. Have you seen a drunk person? They look weird. They do weird things. And loud. They are pretty loud. They are, don't really care what's going on around them. The Holy Spirit, when He comes upon our lives, because we're not our own, He does things to us. I've experienced the Holy Spirit once, and this is, again, it's my experience. I was fortunate enough to grow up in the 90s where uh, there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. For those of you, Granty, you were there probably as well. You experienced some of the stuff in PE. I was at a church in a parasite, and I was in meetings where someone would just preach, and from the outset, like the Holy Spirit would just break out. No one was praying for anybody. No one was touching anybody, nothing. But people would, would start weeping or start laughing uncontrollably. I experienced that where I couldn't stop laughing for probably about six hours, if not more, where just something was birthed within me. I've fallen back. No one pushed me. I can honestly say I was this guy that stood like this. Because <laughs> I don't want to get pushed over. Come on, don't push me over. But if God wants you on your back and wants to do something in your heart, you're not going to stand. I often think about Moses looking at the presence and falling face down. Can you just imagine that moment of being in the presence of God so much that he doesn't want to move, he doesn't want to do anything, but God doing something in his life. And I can honestly say, in moments where I was knocked out by the Holy Spirit, God birthed things in my heart. God shifted things in my heart. God put stuff right Help me to forgive people. Help me to do, I think, ministries. I think gifts. I think everything within me, the calling, he birthed within me in a moment of power, of outpouring over my life. Because he, he's got a plan for me. He's got a purpose for me. He wants me to plant churches. He wants me to lead people into salvation. He wants me to baptize people. He's got a plan for my life. He's got a plan for your life. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in the things God wants you to do. And that's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't, we don't know what it will look like. We don't always know what it will look like. A couple of Wednesday back, Tessia started saying, I, my, my mouth, I'm just laughing. I can't, can't. She wasn't trying to be funny. I, I don't think you were trying to be funny. But the Holy Spirit touched her. I'm not going to ask your age, but many years advanced, and the Holy Spirit touched her for the first time in her life. Think of Kaylin hearing the, the wind of God. In those moments, God's doing something. Nate saying of last week how he stood and just couldn't move because God was busy doing something in his life. Holy Spirit being poured out over him. 
Because in those moments, God releases gifts, anointings, ministries are, are birthed in moments like that. You know that scripture, John 3 verse 8? It's one of my favorite scriptures. And um, I, I love it because I always go like, it's almost like a, it's something we could use and go like, well, we don't really know what God wants to do. So it's like the wind, you know, we're just going to follow him. You know, that's not what that means, that scripture. John 3 verse 8, you want to quickly put it up. And this is, it's about this. It says, Jesus was actually speaking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was saying, I need to, what do you mean get born again, God? How can a man be born again if he's already been born? And, and Jesus was speaking to him and going, well, you don't really understand the things of the Lord. You, you think you're clever, but you're actually not. That's what Jesus said to him. And then Jesus throws this in there, which is very interesting. It says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. What that means is when we become born again and we're born of the Spirit and the Spirit is in us, our lives is not our own anymore. We might be here today. Tomorrow we might be in Azerfontaine. We might be here today. Tomorrow we might be planting something in that place. Because what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus there is when you are born again, in the same what it says in Corinthians, that we are bought with a price. Our lives do not belong to our own anymore. We are led by the Holy Spirit. We are baptized with power to do works for the ministry, to be God's witnesses around the world. Thinking of Matt and Bodine. Are you guys here? So Matt and Bodine, just use there quickly. They just, I'm just going to share about Asa Fontaine. Is that okay? Cool. I didn't, I didn't prep them. You know what they did? Young couple, just got married about a year ago. Hey, it's almost a year. Almost. Woo. And they heard when we planted Asa Fontaine. You know what they did? God, it doesn't matter about my job, about where I work, where I live, nothing. Lord, we're going. Childlike. Heard the voice of God and said, we'll pack up everything and go. And you might say, yeah, they like just married they're easy, they don't have kids, they don't have a house. They're... No, it's not about that. They said, God, where do you want us? Childlike, they are like the wind. They're literally here today, next week they're in Azerfontaine. Like literally. Like... <laughs> but that's the thing. That's who we are. People that have surrendered our lives completely, baptized by the Holy Spirit, filled with power to do the work that God wants us to do. John 3 verse 34, and I'm ending now, I'm going to land this. John 3 verse 34, it says that Jesus, Jesus actually says, he says, my father will give the spirit without measure. Isn't that beautiful? As much as you need, without measure, he'll be poured out over us. And then Luke, how do we receive the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Luke, actually, Luke 11. I want to read this, and then this, well, I'm going to close with this. It says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Who's read that scripture and gone, whoo, I can ask whatever I want to. That's amazing. I can get whatever I want. I just need to ask, knock and seek. Okay, that's not what that scripture means. But, um, and then it says, for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father... 
among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Is there any dads like that? Okay, no? Nate, why are you laughing? Okay. (laughs) Or if you ask for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, so compared to God, I'm evil. I'm an evil dad compared to God. And still, I won't do that to my son. I'm not going to give him a scorpion if he asks for an egg. How, how, uh, for you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Isn't that incredible to see that scripture in context? It's about the Holy Spirit. It's about God giving us the Holy Spirit when we ask Him. And all we need to do is ask to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to receive power. And those are the three ways that the Holy Spirit works today. Firstly, in the world, around us. If you've got friends that aren't saved, ask the Holy Spirit to whisper to them. Even today, you might be hearing the whispers of God. He loves you. He wants you to be part of his kingdom. And not just receive him salvation, but also he's got a purpose and a plan for your life. Secondly, Christians... The indwelling, the Holy Spirit lives within us. He's our helper. He's our comforter. Not going into the Greek word parakletos. I've had a whole thing on that. Basically what that means is he's alongside us, with us, to help us. That's who he is. We can stay in step with him. Live our lives honoring God in everything we do. Having the fruit of the Spirit. And pleasing him and becoming more like Jesus. And thirdly, he wants to pour himself out over us. He wants to. He wants to give us power. Because he's got gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 speaks about the gifts of the Spirit. Because he's got a plan and a purpose for every single one of us to accomplish in this kingdom. And those are the three ways that the Holy Spirit works. And I believe the Holy Spirit is starting. There's that trickling. It's turning into a river. But there's a raging river starting going to happen here in Malpos. I've got faith to see God break the banks. And not those that what, what Hannah said. Don't get stuck in the pools full of salt where there's no life. Nothing can grow there. But it's in the river where we grow, when we dive in, when we when we say, God, come and do a work in and through my life. Amen? I'm going to land us there, but I'd love for us to respond. And, and I, I, we have run out of time, but I do feel that the, the Lord wants to and the Holy Spirit wants to move in our hearts today. And if there were moments as I was talking today that something got triggered in you, we're like, oh, God, that's what I want. I want to ask you to open up and jump into the river today with me.